Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Water, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. I cannot believe that these words are going to be coming out of my mouth, that our next challenge starts tomorrow. So if you are new to the podcast, to the Fasting for Life lifestyle, if you're new to Tommy and I, you've hopped on the right episode because we are literally starting with a challenge tomorrow, February 23rd. And today we're going to go over some of the most common questions and some questions that have been submitted to us over the last 30 or 60 days from you guys, the loyal listeners. So welcome to the new listeners. Shout out to all of you faithful listeners. Tommy and I are super excited and grateful that you are here with us. And we're going to unpack some really cool questions and conversations today. If you're interested in joining the challenge, you can always go to the show notes, www.thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. You'll get more information, frequently asked questions about the challenge and more details on the link. All right, Tommy, you ready to unpack some of the questions that have come in over the last 30 or 60 days? I'm going to pass the baton to you and dealer's choice on which one you want to conversate about first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I like getting into these questions because you, you we never know exactly what part of a fasting journey they're going to come from, and and the answers can can vary depending on on experience level and and perspective. So I, I think a good one to start with is the question about food sensitivities. Do you have that one? I do. I do. This is I just got like a little shudder, right? Because this <laughs> opening up Pandora's box with food sensitivities can lead down to some pretty specific recommendations per the individual, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. everybody has a different, you know, like a fingerprint. So a, a lot of our, you know, if you've been dealing with a symptom, you've been struggling with a health concern and you're down the path of food sensitivities, we really want to take a kind of a different perspective in that when you start fasting, sometimes the question comes up, well, am I, and this is how the question came in. I'm wondering about food sensitivities. I've been lactose intolerant. I want to, I, I still enjoy a charcuterie board with friends, but do sensitivities become stronger when fasting or do digestive enzymes change when fasting? And then the question was also asked in a post in a little bit of different way, where it was like, I'm starting to get some tummy aches post meal. So am yeah. I, am I becoming more sensitive to certain foods? And there's really a dichotomy there that we kind of want to unpack. Yeah, I I think it's a, a really good question. I've I've heard this one a lot. Some 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 version of this question, and I I even had this. This was one of my recurring thoughts as I was kind of getting into my fasting journey, which was I I I had never really felt specifically, um, you know, like in any specific way after a meal. I couldn't pinpoint how I was feeling after a specific meal before I started fasting. And what I what I came to realize with perspective and and some time was that it, it was because there, there wasn't much space in between my meals. You know, I, I was eating a lot of the same things 
and but they were very frequent. So overall, I felt just kind of oh, like bad, you know, but I didn't have much times when I didn't feel bad. So I wasn't really able to separate what I was bringing in, what I wasn't reacting well to versus just an overall just bad feeling most of the time. And on the fasting side of that, we start to provide the time to actually start noticing the differences in what we eat and how we feel afterwards. So it can be, it can be eye-opening. Yeah. And it reminds me of a couple of, of personal scenarios here where, you know, we've become friends over the last few years and I am not a big, uh, going out to get, uh, Mexican food or Tex-Mex food mm. or that style of food. I've never, even when I was highly insulin resistant and overweight and fatigued and brain fog and not yeah. feeling great, like you said, the majority of the time, I still wouldn't really enjoy going out and eating that food. So for whatever reason, it just didn't sit well with me. Yes, I would have, maybe I would have a margarita. I would avoid eating the entire box, uh, basket of chips, right? I would wait for my meal. I would, I would replace the fajita, you know, fajitas with, you know, a, more beans and like a fajita bowl without the extra carbohydrates. And yeah. I still would always feel really full and uncomfortable. And since fasting and losing the weight, I don't go out and get Mexican food anymore because the way I feel now is even worse after eating it than I did then, because now I can feel yeah. that Delta or that change between how the food actually sits with my body. Yep. And I use my, my wife as an example, her and I have very different eating uh, styles in terms of the foods we like. And it's not because of just choice air quotes choice. It's because of how certain foods make us feel now where she knows that if she has a certain food for breakfast where she eats more, um, more of a balanced plate where it's more carb and protein heavy and less fat and that her yeah. body responds well, I respond much better to a higher fat, higher protein content and a lower carbohydrate. So mm. it, it may not necessarily be a sensitivity in terms of a histamine or an IgA, IgE, IgA response to the food, right. but just a, you're feeling the difference on how that food responds, how your body responds to that meal. Yeah. And it's crazy how big that difference can get because the, the positive effects that you can get during, during a good solid fast, like, like the, the release, the, the lowering of the brain fog, the increased energy, the adrenaline, the ketones that start to come up. And then if you, if you actually eat too much of the wrong foods and just kind of like make all those processes come to a screeching halt all of a sudden, and you immediately feel that difference, that Delta right there. And it, I mean, it is in your face. It, it's to the point to where when I first started fasting, I started to, I started to have trouble like limiting certain indulgent foods that I had had in the past. And as I, as I got into the, the initial months and probably like six months in at a certain point, I just cut off certain whole foods like, like pizza, for example, cause that was one of my like indulgent foods from, from the past, you know, but it didn't take long to keep going, drop some more weight to where I never really wanted to look at a box of pizza again, because I, I know exactly how it would make me feel if I, if I got that and then ate more than probably a slice or two, I, I know exactly what that looks like. And I don't want to feel that again. Yeah. And similarly, you know, when, now when we go to our favorite restaurant for date night, I don't get the big steak with the side of mashed potatoes and the asparagus. 
Right. I'll get my favorite thing, which is a small cup of tomato basil soup, and I'll get the grilled chicken Caesar salad. And I just feel way better the next day doing that than rather going to my go-to, which would have made me feel uncomfortable uh, in the past. Now, if you are dealing with like some very specific, you know, sensitivities, then obviously you want to eliminate those things. One thing I will say when you start fasting is that there is a potential time where your digestive enzymes need to adapt to the amount of food that you're now consuming. So a couple of things that lead into the second question of like, what do I do, you know, when I break my fast? Because that can also lead to, you know, some, some short-term digestive changes in terms of, you know, I have to run to the bathroom effect, which is, we hear about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we really want to take it, this question in, in a different light, which is, you know, is there truly a specific way that we can say breaking the fast air quotes correctly, right? Yeah. So controlling your environment is really where we want to uh, or come from to be from this place. And it's going to be a sure. little bit different depending on your uh, style of eating your lifestyle decisions when it comes to your food, but also, you know, really just, you know, feeling in control when you are breaking that fast is, is really part of the long-term solution. Yeah. You just reminded me the first time I broke a seven day fast was actually at a Tex-Mex restaurant on a date night. And yeah, no, I know you're shaking your head like bad idea. I know in, in, in retrospect, it was, it was a very bad idea. I felt very uncomfortable. I actually felt sick to my stomach and it, it was a self-correcting problem. I didn't do it again. That, that, that was the exact opposite of having control over my environment when breaking that fast. So things that lead you into feelings of control so you can control how, how you actually do that would be staying at home, cooking at home, being the one to do the, the meal prep for that meal, especially on a longer fast, putting uh, putting a little bit of time and thought into the preparation of it, looking forward to it, putting some foods within that meal that you're going to actually really enjoy. And, and you know what ingredients went into it. And I, I, I think having something to look forward to while you're actually doing your fast too is, is, is a powerful motivator for reminding yourself like, yeah, I know exactly why I'm doing this fast and what I'm looking forward to, to break it because with, with fewer opportunities to eat, you should, you should really, you know, like take advantage of, of the, the psychological and, and physiological effects of that meal. Yeah. I know if I'm doing a longer fast in a time window that I don't care for, right. Like let's say I'm, I'm doing a, I don't typically love the 60 to 72 hour mark on three day right. fasts, And I don't do them all that often. I did use them while figuring out fasting and in my 50, 48 and a half pounds and 50 day weight loss journey. Right. So yeah, I did use them as a tool, but it's not something that we do often. If you're reversing diabetes, there's power in that window, but can also be a hard window to stick to. So knowing that you have something to look forward to and putting foods that are nutrient dense, that you feel good, which is why I thought these two questions were related. When you feel good after you eat it is really things that you want to focus on because that is going to be a dopamine hit, a positive reinforcement for the long-term plan of what maintenance or what long-term fasting lifestyle should look like, right? So, you know, eating, and, and these are some of the things we, you know, tat tat that we talk about, eating a balanced plate, eating intentionally, eating slowly. If you have experienced some digestive changes, maybe using a handful of almonds before you eat, you know, cruciferous veggies, things like mm-hmm. that. Um, and making sure that you're really getting enough food during that window too, is something that we, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, in, in the challenges in the continuity group as well. Yeah. And I, I feel like, Putting that 
that positive association at the end of the fast. So making sure that you do feel good after you break your fast means you've just rewarded your your body and your mm-hmm. dopamine system, your brain to to say, yeah, after a fast, I am going to continue to feel good rather than doing what I did, which was giving up all of all control and then feeling terrible after I I did this long fast. And and I I did the exact opposite of of rewarding myself for a fast well done. I I just discouraged the behavior in in that moment and I paid for it too. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I self-corrected very quickly after <laughs> even being in control, cooking my own food in my own house the first time I broke a 24-hour fast or a one yeah. meal a day, which reminds me, if you're new to the podcast, you can head to the website, thefastingforlife.com. We've got some free resources. Uh, we've got a wall of fame, some really cool, if you're looking for an extra push or some feedback, you can head back to episode 100, which is kind of where we did a reset and hit the the, the most impactful episodes from based on feedback from you guys, the listeners over the last hundred episodes that we've been doing this. And really cool to see that we broke a milestone of 1 million downloads, Tommy. So just incredible, still in shock and awe that we've gotten there. So really appreciative of you guys. Each one of those, of those listens really does matter. And, um, you know, if you're, again, if you're new, go to the website, fast start guide is there. The insulin assessments there. You can download those couple of resources that we've created. We're working on unpacking some more, um, as we continue to move through the start of 2022. So a couple more questions here, Tommy. Let's see here. So this is one where just before the previous challenge, we told John's story, which was a story of what a successful weight loss and fasting journey can be, where we end up being the 5% of people that maintain the ideal healthy weight or the 12% of people based off some new research that we did an episode on that are metabolically healthy, right? This question came in from Dana and it was, I've been on my fasting journey since August, lost 35 pounds, still have a long way to go, about 80 pounds less uh, left, but the weight loss has seemingly stalled. And she followed the an advanced uh, fasting plan and had a net loss of about a pound. And she's been sticking with the weekly schedules and had an additional loss each week of a, you know, uh, of about a pound as well, which is really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Um, but she wants to speed up the process. And what do you suggest? So there's a couple of things we can unpack here, but really zooming out for a minute in the sustainable long-term kind of what could a successful weight loss journey look like? And then the second yeah. piece is um, I think we really need to change the name of the challenges to the seven-day plateau breaker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, and really, because that's what about half the people do is when they sign up, they they're they they're coming to break through this stall or this plateau. Yeah, coming at it um, from from that from that plateau. You know, when when I hear one pound per week, I I don't like looking at it as a discouragement point. I I like looking at it the fact that if 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 I have if I have 80 pounds to lose, that that's where I came to fasting. I didn't get there quickly. I didn't get there overnight. I didn't even get there in a matter of 12 months, right? Like it, it literally took me three decades to get to that point. Maybe even, even a little bit more than that. I mean, most of my life had been spent with an upward trajectory of my weight. So when we discover how powerful fasting can be, if we're, if we're going at it correctly, it can feel like, well, can't I just speed up the process? And so there's a matter of, of patience that kind of comes with it. And then you even have patients on a day-to-day basis where you're in the middle of a fasting timer 
And maybe you're counting down the time until you get to break your fast. And, and that comes, um, that comes to patience as well. So, so understanding that there is, there is a, a patience portion of this journey, I think is important, but also understanding that one pound per week consistently is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, that's over 50 pounds in a year. And even if you had 150 pounds to lose, okay, well, that's, that's three years you spent getting there after the 20, 30, 50 years that it took to actually, you know, get to that spot to where you needed fasting. Right. And something real actionable for this person, for you, Dana, would be um, sit down and, and track exactly what you're doing now in terms of your food, your energy, try to get some data or, or kind of where you're at, you know, maybe some slippage has crept in yeah. where you're doing some fasting, but you're not really sticking to your windows or maybe your sleep's disturbed or your stress is high. And these are all conversations of, of, of things that we discuss uh, week in and week out on, you know, how to make fasting a sustainable lifestyle. We don't want the diet mentality, right? So I love that perspective, Tommy, that you just zoomed out where we're going to be picking a lifestyle or an endpoint that is going to be sustainable, right? And if you 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 do have 130, uh, let's see, 110, 115 pounds here that you want to lose, like good for you for starting first and foremost and incredible results that you've gotten so far. But the you that's going to be there in 80 pounds from now is going to be a completely different person. Yeah. So, you know, really taking stock at, okay, what were you doing when it was successful? And then you might be at a, a, a physiological set point. And that's why I want to, you know, that plateau breaker concept comes into play is mm-hmm. it might be time where we need to vary your windows. We need to push a little bit, but really maybe there's some slippage there. So maybe it's time to sit down and track. So just some actionable things that you can think about. And if those resonate with you that you can go and do, you know, um, you know, t- today, right. You can just go, you can right. start tracking, you can start planning your meals better. You can really look at what was working, why you don't think it's working now. And it might be time to, you know, kind of take a, a, like a fast break for a couple of weeks and, and, and kind of do a little reset because it is part of that longer process. Like you mentioned, Tommy, to get yeah. that desired result. So I love that question and that, and that conversation around it. Yeah, me too. In my first year of fasting, I, I had those times where the scale stalled. And what I realized is I was putting too many of my old, like indulgent foods that I was like, I had these big dopamine hits for, and I was planning those for my, my fast meals. Cause I was almost looking at it. Like I missed some opportunities to eat those quote unquote, like delicious foods, but then they were causing more scale volatility and more frustration with the process. So if, if that resonates, that's a, that's a reason why we also go into those kind of things and emotional connections to food and how to break those uh, during the challenge as well. Yeah. All right. One more fun one here at the end. So one more, one more question that we want to address today. And we get this one a lot is I'll get the wording here. Exactly. What do you, this came in from Mary. What do you guys think of bulletproof coffee? IE coffee with MCT oil, grass fed butter. Is there mm-hmm. any drawback? Does it break your fast? Is it satiating and craving killing, but I don't want to jeopardize the fast cycling that we're doing. So um, she's been following some of the, the the fasting schedules. I believe she was doing the fast start guide or the the one meal a day fasting, right? And bulletproof coffee is delicious. I'm just going to come right out and say that. Okay, I never thought by putting butter. And if you don't know what bullet, she she told us what bulletproof coffee is. But if you if you don't know what it is, really clearly, it's putting for me in this house. And I used to do this when I was doing the keto diet back in the day. And I would have two of these, right? So considerable amount of caloric intake here, because if you're just looking at what's in it, it's a tablespoon of coconut oil, a tablespoon 
of unsalted butter, even though I used to use salted because I prefer it. And then uh, I would do 16 ounces of organic home brewed coffee, right? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't put any sweetener. Some people put like stevia or or xylit, uh, not um, what's the word I'm looking for? Swerve, like one of those erythritol based mm -hmm. sweeteners. Yeah. Um, so you know, those have zero calories, but really just one tablespoon of coconut oil, one tablespoon of butter. I would do two tablespoons of butter. Um, and I would actually use the MCT oil. So we're looking at anywhere between 225 to like 400 calories in this thing. So to her question, does this break a fast? It absolutely breaks your fast. <laughs> and people are going to be like, well, that kind of undoes why I'm doing this. Right. hundred percent agree. Now there is a school of thought out there by the creator of Bulletproof Coffee that has a whole product line around these Bulletproof Coffee products, right? And can Bulletproof Coffee aid in the production of ketones and, 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 and that conversation? Yes, it can. But here, what we really want to focus on is getting insulin low to reverse insulin resistance and allow the body to naturally produce ketones by getting into that deeper level of fat burning. So by adding in calories, you are spiking insulin to a point where we are literally stopping that insulin lowering process. So, yeah, Tommy, I know you love one of the responses when we had this conversation one day, one of our, our uh, one of our clients response to this bulletproof co coffee question was priceless. Yeah, he was a, a big proponent of it, has been using it during his uh, his fasting journey and, and asked us a similar question. And after hearing, uh, you know, the, the response and the pause in the natural, you know, fat burning process that he was going through. Uh, he just threw one line out there and said, uh, "Never mind, I can't be bothered with this anymore." <laughs> Which I, I love the term, the word "bothered." Bothered, yeah, like like no, this is bothering my process, you know, because if if you really like, if you really enjoy the process of of bulletproof coffee of 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 having that, then you know, put it into your window, you know, if if you'd like to have it. But you know, drinking two or three or four hundred calories in in just a few minutes that that's not my favorite thing to do. So it, it's not something that I'm going to regularly put into, into my regimen, but understanding the difference between, you know, your, your body's tapping into long-term fat stores and what that means for your own ketosis and what that means for getting the weight off is, is different versus like adding in exogenous ketones and other things like that, that can kind of support the process and are um, ketogenic or, or keto friendly, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but are still kind of pausing the natural process that you might be looking to optimize. Yeah. And if you're, if you're, if you're doing bulletproof coffee and it's going to be part of your long-term plan, like I'm not giving up my, you know, I had to give up coffee for a short term, uh, when it was actually causing a, a, a blood sugar response in me that was not favorable when I was yeah. super stressed out and underslept and overweight. Um, coffee became an actual blood sugar, a, a hypoglycemic response. So I'd get an insulin response, which would then force my blood sugar even lower, which would increase the volatility, which is not what we want. Yeah. So I had to give up coffee, but now I have coffee every morning and it's part of my long-term plan. And I don't have it right when I wake up. I have it about mid, mid to late morning mm -hmm. um, on most days, right? Every now and then I'll need a little caffeine pick me up. But um, yeah. if it is bulletproof coffee, something that you want to stick to long-term, and you're in a fat loss mode, like Tommy said, put it in your window, but, and don't give it up. 
still enjoy it and still have it and still have happiness in your life when you're fasting. Yeah, right. Um, but just a different perspective there on when and where and how to use it. So Tommy, as we wrap up today's episode for you new listeners, now is the time. Uh, the next fasting challenge is seven weeks out from tomorrow. So if you're thinking about it, uh, you've heard about it. You're like, what is this thing? You can go to the show notes, thefastingforlife.com forward slash live. You can click the link, get more information and details, Tommy. But as we wrap up today, any final thoughts uh, on the questions? And I really love the conversation and di the different nuanced you know, uh, ways to approach some of these questions that we consistently hear. Yeah, absolutely. So do I. And I just want to highlight the fact that um, every day during the challenge, um, we we have dedicated time for Q and A oh. sessions. So I think that's that's a cool thing to understand that no matter where you are in your fasting journey at the very beginning or much more advanced, yep. you probably still have some of these things that kind of come up and you'd love some some perspective on. We have dedicated time for that during the challenge, and so it's a really cool way to level up on an individual basis as we kind of go through, you know, and and break those plateaus. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Love it. Love it. Love it. Can't wait to get started tomorrow. If you have any questions for us, you can always reach out info at thefastingforlife.com, info at thefastingforlife.com. Tommy, as always, appreciate the conversation and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.